This is the Jets-centric podcast, your home for Winnipeg Jets, talk, thoughts, and takes. Hey there, Jets fans, and welcome back to episode 8 of the Jet-Centric Podcast. My name is AJ, one of your hosts. Um, this episode will be a little bit shorter than what you're probably used to from us. We only have one interview that was ready on time, and it is a great interview um, with uh, John Malloy of Jets Nation being interviewed by Daniel. Um, the, they're talking about an article that he wrote for Jets Nation a couple weeks ago about the remaining restricted free agents. So John was actually our very first guest on episode 1, and so he's back doing what he does thinking smart and talking about it so uh, enjoy the episode but because it's a little bit shorter I figured I'd take a little bit of time to give you some other information about us and the podcast going forward so first of all where you can listen to us iTunes slash Apple podcast Spotify Stitcher Google Podcasts, Anchor FM app um, those are some of the places you could hear us but the, all the major ones uh, if you want to reach us jetcentric at gmail.com you could leave us a voice message uh, on the Anchor.fm app. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Jetcentric and also on Facebook. So make sure you leave us a message, comments, criticisms, suggestions, ideas, um, whatever you want. All right, and we'll get back to you. Also, big shout out to Brian who came up with a new theme song. We had a group tank, a group think tank uh, about the the idea for a theme song, and Brian, of course, uh, did a great job with that. So that'll be a constant going forward. Also, make sure you check out jetcenter.ca or at jetcenter on twitter where roddy and his uh contributors have done a great job coming up with a lot of articles there's obviously not much to talk about but they do some articles and blogging there uh, if you're interested in writing make sure you you contact him okay so now to talk about some of the upcoming things uh, roddy's going to be doing an interview with scott campbell they're going to talk about heritage classic jets 1.0 uh, scott's time writing with the free press also, we got Mac uh, doing an interview with Murat of The Athletic and some of his great articles. Uh, that's coming up shortly. Uh, Chris is also going to do an interview with his daughter, Aaliyah, about a fun experience she had during the uh, the street parties during the Jets playoff run there. Um, I'm going to be doing an interview with Brad Schlossman of the Grand Forks Herald, talking about Tucker Pullman. He's pretty close to the family and the team there, so he's got some, some fun insight. Also going to do an interview with uh, the guys that dress up as the Queen and her knights. Um, yeah, I think that should be good for some comic relief. So I uh, look forward to doing that with uh, those guys uh, coming up. Also going to be doing a joint thing with the guys from Jets Nation podcast and Jet Fuel podcast, which is part of the Hangar Hockey group. And uh, we're going to do some sort of joint thing talking about podcasts and obviously about the Jets. So uh, Also, Brian's going to do some more stuff with Jake Baskin, obviously about prospects. Jake's great for that stuff. I was hoping they could do something soon just to kind of wrap up the World Junior Summer Showcase and the Halinka tournament that just happened and maybe um, some stuff uh, before the, the Young Stars. So uh, that's coming up. Also, we're going to try and get uh, Melissa Martins on the show. Alan's going to, you know, reach out to her and see if we can set something up and have her um, do do a session with us. I think that's very likely that it happens. So uh, Patrick Williams, uh, we'll be having him on. Some of you might remember him writing for the Jets and the Moose. Uh, for NHL.com uh, in the first years of the Jets being here 
Uh, he'll be on a little bit closer to when the season starts. As well, we're trying to make contact with the people from the Jets Prospect account that do a bunch of video and uh, updating Jets fans about what's happening with their prospects. So um, that's in the future. You can look forward to that um, coming up for the season. After every game, we're going to try and do a call-in show where um, either our contributors and or just anybody can call in and uh, talk about the game that just happened and we can kind of put it out there for everyone to to hear so uh, that'll be kind of fun also we're working on something called fan announcers where um, a few of us are probably going to call the games a little um, color commentary and also have a play-by-play person do the game so if you pvr the games you can just turn the sound down and hear us do our version of uh, calling a game or you can just listen to it stand alone and the next day at work and hear uh, hear what the game sounded like um, that's it. Well, actually, no, there's one, one last thing. Also, we've got a request into True North to see if we can do some interviews with some players. So if we can get down and add some of the practices and get those guys on the mic, uh, that'd be kind of fun with the players and some personnel maybe. So uh, we're, we're doing our best to get as much interesting, fun content as possible. So hopefully you appreciate it and enjoy it. But uh, right now, let's get to the episode, and I know you'll enjoy this. And we'll be back with even more stuff next time. Enjoy. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to Jet Centric. This is Daniel, and I'm here today with John. Hey John, how's it going? Not too bad, yourself? Oh, I'm good, thanks. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit today about uh, an article that uh, you recently wrote for uh, Jets Nation, uh, which you contribute to on occasion. So it was basically about the uh, remaining uh, Jets RFAs and kind of maybe what could happen, a little bit of the future, a little bit salary cap, whatever... Uh, wherever that'll go right so first we'll start uh uh nick uh, nick batan as we all know has signed since he wrote your article so maybe a quick thought on his uh his contract well i'm very excited for patan this year because historically he's been put in uh, less than desirable situations uh garrett hold did a piece for jets nation a while back that documented patan's usage and how him playing with skilled players spawned some pretty impressive results, but being paired with the likes of Chris Thorburn had, as you can imagine, the opposite effect. But the, uh, the Jets have improved drastically since Patan's last major stint, and as of today, there's not many line mates on this team that should really be capable of holding him back. Uh, he can't be sent down. He recently lost his waiver eligibility, so... In all likelihood, Batan is here to stay this season, and I personally can't wait to see him in a permanent role. My fingers are crossed that he's not stable to the press box because he's got a, a very serviceable skill set. He's got a knack for exploiting open passing lanes, getting the puck in the wheelhouse. So whether it's adding some offensive punch to a great defensive line or playing in the top nine with the scorers, I'm here for it. Uh, for example, Lowry and Kopp aren't the most offensively gifted players in the world. But they keep the ice tilted and are an incredible defensive combo. So Patan might be welcomed on that line. He can help create space, uh, open up more offensive looks once those guys gain zone entry. And you could also have Patan centering a line with some of the maybe more skilled players. I think in my article I mentioned Wheeler and Connor as a, as a possible combination. They've played together in the past, and even though it was short, it was a very successful unit. So there's a wide range of good lines out there for Patan to play on. And I'd be more than glad to see him on a number of those possibilities this year. Yeah. That's what I've, I've always said too, or said in the last few years recently, he's more of a complimentary player. Like he can set up guys. He can set right. up play drivers. He can help play drivers. 
which is something that most of the players in their forwards, in their top 12 or the other 11 guys can do. They can get possession and he'll be there to feed them right in front or whatever he's got to do and just complement their skills. Whereas playing with Chris Thorburn and Matt Hendricks and Anthony Peluso, right. they, they're, they're, uh, they're not that uh, good at the game of hockey. So uh, Patan couldn't thrive with them because he's not as much as a driver as a compliment. Definitely. Yeah. So that's hopefully I, I've always, always liked him and I hope he can actually get, get the good looks, get some power play. He's all great on the power play with the boost last year. I went to a bunch of games last year, so hopefully you can keep that up. All right, uh, what else do we got here? So the remaining, now the remaining unsigned RFAs by the Jets are uh, J.C. Lapon, Eric Comrie, Nick Kerdiles, Kerdiles, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, as well as Josh. Is it okay? (laughs) And uh, Josh... And uh, Josh Morrissey as well is uh, is unsigned. So we'll start off with J.C. Lapon and Eric Comrie. You know, some of the a couple of the AHL guys that might be looking to maybe crack the team. Eric Comrie will be fighting for the uh, backup role this year. I'm, I'm assuming. So we'll see how that goes. See, I think it's a make it or break it. What do you think on uh, Eric Comrie? Yeah, he still has this last year of waiver eligibility. So like you, I'm assuming he starts the year in Manitoba and. Yeah, I think it would be really fair to say that he needs to start showing something. Uh, I'd always been a supporter of his, especially around the time of the World Juniors and what I think was 2014 when Canada won. He had a much higher save percentage than Zach Bucali, who wound up being the starter. But Comrie was progressing well, and unfortunately, somewhere along the way, he kind of began just looking very ordinary. Now, I'm far from an expert on goalie development, and I can't say I've seen a whole lot of his play. But from a pure number standpoint, I'm not all that confident in his future with the organization uh, as an NHLer. And that, yes, I expect this year to be a very crucial season of assessment for him moving forward. Yeah, I always had high hopes for him before Hellebuck kind of developed into the superstar he is uh, today. So hopefully, you know, he could be a good backup. I'd always had a little dream since I saw Hellebuck coming that they'd be a one-two punch in the NHL. That could still (laughs) happen, of course. So we'll see where that goes with him. And uh, JC Lapon, guy, I've always, always liked him. He's just that small player that can get get in the corners, get the pucks, get him up front. So I've always wanted to see him in the NHL, but the Jets have so many forwards that he'd have to beat out to get on that fourth line that... I don't really know where his uh, future is with the organization. What do you think on that? Yeah, I'll pretty much echo your thoughts on that. Uh, for years, I looked at Lapon as kind of like a, a version of Chris Thorburn, but it was actually kind of good on the ice. <laughs> but uh, because he didn't have, you know, the, the locker room personality, leadership skills, veteran presence, and a, a whole bunch of stuff that I don't personally believe in that much. Uh, because of that, he never really got a shot. And it's not like he's this incredible prospect, but I was never disappointed when I watched him play. He's just a defensively sound fourth liner. He can, you know, attack the puck, break up plays, clog up some passing lanes. They're the things that Thorburn was supposed to do, but wasn't necessarily great at. So I don't think Lapon would be a detriment to this lineup if he ever got a crack at it. But like you mentioned, and it goes without saying that the Jets are absolutely stacked with forward talent. So when healthy, they should probably look to fill the lineup with someone a bit more special, but if he were to, for whatever reason, make this team, I wouldn't be all that upset about it. Yeah, and I mean, they're at a 
the Jets are at a stage now where the salary cap is crunching. So maybe, you know, if you get them, if you need to call a guy up, JC LaPont could be a call up, maybe second and third call up, depending on injuries, which obviously we don't want any serious injuries, Mm -hmm. but you know, someone that could come in, fill in if, if needed and probably do a serviceable, serviceable job on the fourth line with whoever he's playing with, just eat up a few minutes a game or whatever he needs to do, which you also need on a, on an NHL team now. So hopefully they can keep him around and see where it goes. If not, move on maybe next year, the year after, as they've got more forwards coming up behind him. So mm-hmm. he's kind of caught in the middle there. And uh, so now, uh, sorry, I dropped my notes here. Uh, we're <laughs> on next to uh, uh, today. Uh, Ryan Ellis signed a, an eight-year, $6.25 million deal with Nashville. He's uh, 28 years old, so he's a few years older than Jacob Truba, who we know is just on a one-year uh, $5.5 million that was awarded through arbitration. So do you think this affects any future with Truba? Does that kind of prove his worth a little bit? Ellis is 28 and Truba is 24 to be 25, I believe. So mm-hmm. where do we go on that? On the Truba front, I personally don't think it changes anything. I mean, this is me merely speculating, but from the outside looking in, it it really looks like Truba's trying to maximize his value. And if and when it comes to him reaching his UFA status, someone will give him his ask. This is different from Ellis, who said just today, I believe, quote, we're building something. I wanted something that was fair, but didn't want to break the bank so that we could keep all of these guys together. So Ellis certainly could have tried to get more value, but he took an entirely different approach. And for that reason, it shouldn't change anything regarding Jacob Truba. Assuming Truba is trying to get the most money he can, he possibly can get. And that Ellis isn't, they're just, they're not comparable approaches. The things we have to remember too, are that there's 30 other teams out there and a decent chunk of those teams will be bidding for Truba. And then it's not like they're all going to say, Hey, you know, Ellis signed a team friendly deal. So you can't make a penny more than him. You're not worth it. It just won't happen. Truba's using his UFA leverage, whereas Ellis chose not to. So good on him, though. You know, he's definitely making things harder for the Jets from a fan standpoint. I'm looking at Nashville and thinking, like, wow, this is uh, this is going to be our biggest obstacle for some time. They've got that elite top four defense core all locked up, uh, most of them on some pretty amazing deals. And they're going to be a hard team to pass for, for years to come. Yeah, so it's looking like we'll be gunning with them every year for the Central Division and and that's that'll be always interesting. Mm-hmm. I think I read after uh, his when Ellis's deal kicks in, their top four D will be making I think it was twenty three or twenty four mil, which is that's very reasonable. That that's just mm-hmm. a shade under six million per top four. And their defense is they have some good players playing defense, so they have a legit top four. So mm-hmm. that's always something the Jets will have to contend with there. And yeah, like you said with. Uh, Jacob, he's looking to make his buck, which is totally fine. Like something yeah. that he's he he's he earned the money. He thinks he's worth the money, which he which he is worth the money. And if the Jets don't want to pay him what he thinks he's worth, then I guess we'll just start writing our goodbyes maybe next year or something. But we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, we'll deal with it when it comes. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll get through this another hopefully another cup run uh, next mm-hmm. season. So now we'll focus on I think the biggest remaining RFA is the only one left I think that we haven't talked about really is uh, Josh Morrissey so he's an RFA I believe he's 23 years old 
Um, I haven't heard too much on him or where he's going. So I know in your article, you compared him to maybe a Brett Pesci in uh, Carolina. Yeah. So is there any other comparables maybe that we could go on or just elaborate a little bit more on how is comparable to him? Well, there's also, uh, I guess you could say Damon Severson in New Jersey, Oscar Clefbaum in Edmonton at the top of my head. Uh, these guys were very comparable to Morrissey at the time of their signings as well. And like Pesky, they all went for roughly the same price, about six to seven years at just over a million per season. And I, I see no reason not to get Morrissey locked up to something similar. The Jets have the, the money to sign him long-term. And even if they signed a bridge, the cap hit shouldn't be too far off from his long-term market value anyway. So why wait is my question. It's, it's no secret at this point that the Jets defense core of the future is just filled with uncertainties, whether it's the aging Dustin Bufflin or the, you know, concern that Truba might not be here as we just touched on uh, is as recent as maybe like next season, he might not be here. And for that reason, I expect, I fully expect Chevy to turn Morrissey's future into a certainty for this team because they're certainly in need of some. Yeah. And think thinking that it's taken so long, I mean, obviously they have till game one of the regular season to get him signed up. Is that maybe they are trying to work out something that works for everybody on a long-term deal as opposed to a bridge deal, maybe something, you know, a little more elaborate, you know, with they got to figure out bonuses and of course the potential lockout, do they lockout protect it with high signing bonuses, a whole bunch of different variables that would be required in a long-term contract compared to a bridge. Whereas like two years at three and a half, four million, Mm -hmm. we'll talk to you in two years kind of thing. Right. So that's something to keep in mind too. And uh, I just checked it up today. The Jets have uh, 10.2 million in cap space as of today. So that's without anyone that we have mentioned signed. So even if they get Morrissey at four or five million a year, we'll say around in there, mm-hmm. that leaves them with another $5 million around that, depending on obviously they have some performance bonus money that'll likely be paid at the end of the season. So where, what do you think they're going to do with that kind of cap space during the season, like moves, or are they just going to ride it out kind of thing? Well, I was fiddling with cap friendly a week or so ago and I signed Morrissey at what I think would be the max he signed for, which is 4.5 million. And I got pretty much what you said. The cap space was, I think just under 5 million. I think I got to like 4.9 and the bonuses were at 3.7. So it's another one of those reasons why I really think Morrissey should be locked up long-term is that even with all of their bonuses that they have to cover, they can still afford to sign Morrissey to that bigger deal. So, uh, and there should be no concerns over Morrissey at this point either. His play speaks for itself. We know what we have in him. Chevy certainly knows what he has in him. And he's proven that when he knows what he has in a player and a real special player, that he will sign that guy up long-term. So I'm hoping to see that get done uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, there's no need to panic about Morrissey. It's just that, uh... You just kind of want to see it get done and then we can refresh that cap friendly and see exactly what we got to work with going into next season, which of Mm -hmm. course, as we know, we have a few more RFAs and UFAs and all the fun stuff. Uh, Blake Wheeler, Patrick Laine will be due for a billion dollar contract or something along those, uh, those lines. So we'll kind of, kind of get a better picture as to what we're dealing with for our future extensions on the guys that are pending to be next season's free agents. So just well, maybe we'll touch on that too a little bit. We got a few minutes left here. So Patrick Laine right now, what do you think if he puts up, say, another 35 to 40 goal season, what do you think they'll do with him? 
there's a wide range of possibilities with him. I'm not entirely sure what the market's going to look like by the time he signs, but it can be, you know, between anywhere seven to nine million per, you know, per season on a long-term deal. Right. Yeah. It's hard to get a good, good gauge right now. Cause I mean, you never know what he's going to do this year, but even with what he does this year, does it really matter? I mean, he's a goal scorer, like no other really. So he's worth mm-hmm. seven to 10, seven to 9 million or whatever. Right. So, and something, something that we've been talking about <laughs> with most of our guests, cause it's something that interests, interests me and everyone else is Blake Wheeler. What are they, what are they going to do? What do you think? Like, give me your best guess today. If he has, if he has a 80 point season or 80 to 90 point season, what do you think they're going to do with him? I really think that Blake Wheeler will resign with this team. Uh, he doesn't strike me as the type of guy that would, I mean, once again, it's pure speculation, but I, I see him as a guy who's stuck it out with this team through the tough times. He's the captain. Now he seems to really have a good rapport with the guys in the room. I could see him doing something similar to Brian little somewhere about, you know, maybe a five, six year extension and maybe a similar raise would bring him to somewhere close to maybe just over Shifley's cap hit in that six to 6.5 million range. That would be my best guess. You know, there's always talk about maybe it would make sense to trade him, especially with all these young guys coming up. But I really look at that as a situation where both sides want to make it work long-term. So I kind of expect that to happen. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Like I don't see the jets really wanting to move on from him. Like, I mean, I, I love Blake Wheeler always have, does it make sense to trade him? I mean, I guess if the offer is right, like most mm-hmm. players, if the offer is right, you do make the move. Um, but he's obviously getting older, right? Like he's not going to be, maybe he puts up another 90 point season, but does he do that when he's 37, 38? Probably not. Right. So. Yeah. Which is why one other thing, like you had said, a five or six year deal. So that pushes him what that'll make him 37 or 38 at the end of the deal. Which yeah. is not bad because if he's gonna fall off, hopefully it'll be closer to the 35, 36 year old. So if they get him at a good, good price, good value for four to the six years, maybe that's okay, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess then, then you think about maybe moving on, just dumping him off, kind of thing, right? If you have to, or depending on where the team is at that time, right? And uh, yeah, so we covered Blake Wheeler and you did mention Brian little. What do you think of his contract that's kicking in this season that they signed him to last the beginning of last season? I'm obviously not a, I think I've voiced my opinion on Twitter at this time of the signing. I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, but there is still some hope that he can bounce back. I mean, his numbers have been on a decline, but you know, he was coming off a pretty, pretty gruesome injury. I believe it was Hedman or was it maybe Strawman that hit him there a couple of years ago. And, no, there is hope and reason to believe that he can bounce back and maybe start producing like he used to. But uh, once again, it's just once those guys get into that late 30s age range and you're paying them upwards of $5 million, it's it's never pretty for your cap situation. And especially when you're a team like the Jets who have the aforementioned Patrick Laine and guys like Kyle Connor coming up to re-sign. It's not the, the best situation. And he's also got a no-move clause kicking in, which I'm – or he, I think, yeah, it does kick in this year that I'm not a fan of either. But it's uh, – one of those things that we'll just have to uh, have to deal with. Yeah, and that's his uh, no move clause turns into a no trade clause after the first two seasons, I believe. That sounds right. So I yeah. 
yeah i think i think that's what it was so that that was i don't know what exactly the plan is i guess they kind of said hey we'll give you full security for two seasons and then we'll see see where we're at see where you're at see how we're all feeling kind of thing and mm-hmm. obviously it's a tough contract to move at five whatever it's going to be is it six million which somewhere between five and six million I think it's yeah five points something in the low point five I can't remember the exact number it's something weird yeah yeah so mid five mid fives in, yeah so that yeah that's a little difficult to move on especially on a limited no trade clause or whatever exactly it is or something like that but and, and the right, most frustrating ahead. part for me oh yeah sorry I don't know if you're but uh, chiming in there the uh, the one of the more frustrating things too is that the no move technically wouldn't expire at the time for a Seattle expansion. It would, uh, it would expire that season, but because the expansion draft takes place before the season starts, I'm like 90% sure that the no move clause would still be intact and therefore they would have to waste a protection spot on them. That kind of makes things even more annoying because you couldn't even, you know, maybe say, cause Seattle might want them, you know, there's a guy that can be, you know, an assistant captain or something like that for your first couple of years. But, uh, it doesn't look like that'll be a possibility to to dump him from the Jets' standpoint. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. That's something that I thought. I was like, oh, they'll just expose him to Seattle, and Seattle will need to hit the cap floor and taking a guy mm-hmm. at five and a half million. That would be a good way to get to that cap floor. But mm-hmm. that's a good point. I believe any like we obviously we don't know the exact in and out of the contract, but any new the new season starts after. July 1st and the expansion mm-hmm. draft would be in June before the entry draft around that time so that creates a little more of a wrinkle in there and see what they have to do maybe they'll ask him I don't know you that'll be something interesting and mm-hmm. something obviously we're talking like three years in the future but you kind of got to keep your mind you know if you're if you're looking up stuff and you're interested in stuff you have to kind of stay ahead of everything and see what the future brings as well as what we've got today or this season. So something we'll all be talking about right until the date it happens. I'm sure. I think another point with the, uh, the no move clause is that for the, the, the Vegas season, if the no move clause expired, like if your contract and your no move clause was expiring, then they didn't have to waste a protection spot on him because he's not under contract next season but because little still has like those extra four or five seasons or whatever it is with the no trade clause and all that, he still would have to uh, be one of the guys that they, uh, that they protect. So kind of makes it frustrating. Yeah. I guess they kind of maybe didn't quite think it through. I mean, who knows exactly what the jets are thinking and what Chevy's thinking. So I guess we'll just see how that plays out. And when Seattle, the Seattle Kraken joined the NHL in a few years, we'll see maybe Brian little will be their captain. But anyways, John, uh, <laughs> thanks a lot for coming on. And uh, is there anything you want to plug before I let you go here? Uh, I think that's it for now, other than just uh, thanks for having me again and uh, looking forward to joining you guys again in the near future. Yeah, I think you're actually our first repeat guest, so I guess we're doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, uh, yeah, thanks, thanks a lot to John for coming on today. And uh, we look forward to having him again. And Hope you all enjoyed our little conversation about the RFAs. And of course, check out my work on jetcenter.ca. John is on Jets Nation. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Awesome. Thanks again. Take care. Yeah. See ya.